Hi everyone, before we get started today, uh, Sam Laughlin wasn't able to be on the episode, however he so kindly left us a voice note with his thoughts after the Carabao Cup final win for Manchester United on Sunday. Gentlemen, all I have to say is that the train is rolling. Don't be afraid to hop on. I know Scrad has been disgruntled with Chelsea's performance recently, Cracky, all you Liverpool fans are, are getting brought back down to to baseline Liverpool performance after a, a run of good years under under Klopp here, but but look, this is this feels just like the start of of, of a lot of things. And I think Ten Hag even said as much um, in the post game press conference on Sunday, just saying you know he, he had he had left the the press conference without the trophy. It was left on the on the sand, and then he kind of came back to grab it and joke that you know this wasn't going to be the only one. He was saving it because they're going to be back. Uh, that same podium here soon. So I think it's it's honestly miraculous how different this club and this squad is from the beginning of the year till now. Um, obviously, thinking back to a loss like the 4 nothing loss to Brentford back in August or early September, whenever that was, to where the team is at currently, you know, with I, – I don't think they're going to pull off the quadruple, um, but – they're in position here in February where, you know, mathematically it's, it's, it's possible. Right. And I think that's just incredible. And I think all the credit has to go to Ten Hogg. Um, obviously he's brought in players and there are, there are new players this year that have done phenomenal. Um, thinking Casemiro, especially um, Martinez, obviously at the back, uh, even Anthony to a certain extent, the last few weeks has, has been in great form, but I think that the biggest impact that you've seen is is on current players, guys that have been there for a while. Obviously, Marcus Rashford's in the absolute best form of his life after the World Cup. Um, you're seeing Jaden Sancho come into form. Uh, a guy like Veghorst is, is is starting to come around. Um, it's it's incredible to think about what he's been able to to do um, in such a short period of time, um, and. Obviously, it's the League Cup, so it's it's probably the lowest uh, available, like legitimate trophy that you can win. But it's the first trophy that he had the chance to win, and and he did it right. And um, something I, I credit him a lot for is his expectations. Um, Man United was not in a great great place uh, a few months ago, and the fact that he's not afraid to to set the expectations super high and 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 make sure that nobody's satisfied with, with what they've done so far, I think is a huge credit to him. And um, I mean, like I said, it's just a night and day difference with this club. And, um, you know, this is the most fun I've had supporting Man United in a long time. Um, obviously it's been six years since the last uh, trophy that they won. Um, obviously I had a chance last year with the Europa league, but, but just couldn't get it done. But uh, it's actually fun to watch this this, this squad again. Um, I think about um, the last trophy we won was obviously under Jose Mourinho, but that wasn't a particularly exciting team to watch because they played Jose style style ball, right? Um, but but Ten Hag, he knows how to get the best out of all these players. He knows how to make it entertaining, um, which is huge. And, um, you know, I think that the next four months are obviously going to be massive for this club in terms of performance on the field. But with new ownership, potentially coming in um, the, the recent success and, and the names that Man United are going to be linked uh, up with this summer. 
I mean, it could be, it could be a, a massive summer as well. So, um, it feels good to have a sports team with all this momentum, but I'll tell you, it, it, it won't mean nothing if, if, if they um, fall on their face the, the last few months of this season. Um, last thing I'll say is I, I, I don't think that they're going to pull off the quadruple. I think that's um, a lot to ask at this point. There's obviously still so much of the season to go, but I do, I do think they're going to win another, another trophy, whether it's the FA Cup or the Europa League. I think those are the most attainable. Um, I'm not sure if this is a squad that's ready to win the league quite yet. Um, I still think they need a couple additions in the off season for that. But um, the fact that they're contending for these these massive titles uh, is huge. And I think the fact that they've got one under their belt already um, is just going to give them even more confidence going forward. So it's really going to be exciting to to see what they do. And and yeah, don't be afraid to, to hop on the Man United bandwagon if you want, boys. Behind it now with Ericsson, pushed out by Harrison, comes Wanyama! Oh, there is the bolt from the blue. Now to go, and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Arsenal are walking in a winter wonderland! What a turnaround! Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> All right, we are back for another episode of the 4-4 Brew Podcast. Joining me today are Liga MX correspondent Caleb Fotenhauer. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Um, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be better today. <laughs> Mikey, Cleary, Mikey Cleary is also here with us today. Mikey, how are you? Good. Good to hear it. All right, well, let's jump right in. Uh, Sunday, Wout Veghorst finally adds silverware to his esteemed career, United 2, Newcastle nil in the Carabao Cup final. Uh, Mikey, I'll just give it to you right away. Congratulations on winning the the most esteemed trophy in all of England. Yeah, yeah no, it was really it was really nice. Everyone was like, oh, like, you know, first of Medellin, I'm like, well, you know, we're really starting off with, like, the least impressive one. Um Kind of Sam, Sam Laughlin's point, like the whole thing that drove me crazy was that, you know, like we win this and then, or, you know, a lot like, you know, last week or so in review and even we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, like I mean, really just the last, you know, last week, almost exactly. Uh, they beat West Ham and uh, they beat West Ham today in the FA Cup. Wasn't super convincing, but we're not definitely not their best squad. Thought they played well overall, though. Uh, then beat Newcastle, obviously, on Sunday, what we're talking about now, and then beat Barcelona uh, last Thursday. Great birthday present that was. But, my, but the whole point is that uh, we can't, I feel like we say this every every week on the pod. It's only it's only uh, it's only just now March. Um, I feel like we have no real uh, no real idea of where exactly the season is going to finish up. I mean, if you told me before the World Cup that, yeah, you know, United would be I mean, even just hypothetically, hypothetically United, that's where we're at now. They hypothetically could win the quadruple. I think that's absolutely insane. Uh, and I also think that, you know, it's it's funny, too, that people are very – I think a lot of United fans kind of act as though we kind of like the, the match against Barcelona last Thursday was the uh, Europa League final, whereas in reality, I mean, you still have to get through Arsenal. You still, you'll still at some point have to – probably deal with uh, the yeah, combination of Arsenal and Juventus, depending on how the draw works out. And that fake up, you'll still have to see City, although United get one more round before they'll have to face them, likely. Um, and Barcelona weren't playing, I would say, probably their two best players, Pedri and Gavi. Uh, the, to go back to the match, I kind of thought it would be end-to-end for the first 10 minutes. Um, 
it was kind of a shame. They were talking about this in The Guardian this week. The whole, like, Loris Carius storyline seemed kind of, seemed really forced and just sad. It's like, you know, just, like, let him, let him be himself, I guess. Uh, neither goal, I thought, was really his fault. Uh, the Like, the Casemiro goal, there's about three different Newcastle defenders that he was in between, and he was just able to get ahead of the ball. Um, the Rashford goal took, like, a very, very unlucky deflection, uh, really not too, and not, not too far out, and I didn't think there's, I mean, he probably should have done better, but I wouldn't have. It, it wasn't. Uh, it's a good thing we don't have any Liverpool fans on the pod, but it wasn't like a Champions League final refresher, you know, where it was. You know, every goal was clearly on him. Like they they might have been in otherwise. Newcastle didn't show a lot of signs of life. They would kind of get the ball forward, and then that that would be it. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't score first. Um, but most of all, I would say that. Uh, I would say that, uh, I mean, United, United, obviously, you know, you won two nil, but it didn't seem like, you know, we weren't beating, you know, we didn't beat city in the Carabao cup. We didn't beat Arsenal. Uh, I mean, we didn't even beat Spurs and Spurs or even like, I mean, there's about four or five other teams that I would say, like, I would, you know, I would have considered it a much more impressive win. And honestly, I would say that the Barcelona match from last Thursday was a much better win. You know, it didn't, there wasn't a trophy at the end and there weren't any medals, but um, that's, a, I mean, that, that was a much more impressive win, even without their two best players than, you know, beating Newcastle in their first cup final and God, since, you know, before any of us were born. Uh, I'll kick it off to both of you. I know, uh, Harmon, you were complaining about uh, how long it went on. Uh, Not so some, much the time, just how boring the game was after, after Rashford scored. I mean, to your point, Newcastle didn't offer once they went one nil down you knew the game was over they yeah they were it seemed like they were on the front foot a little bit maybe for that first 10 minutes where you kind of thought like this might actually be a really good game I was Uh, I was actually optimistic I was excited I thought it was going to be like a good match and then they just folded yeah I mean as like a neutral I was just kind of wasn't expecting like a a 5-4 thriller but I was Mm. hoping for a little bit more from from Newcastle I mean Diego Dallo went on a yellow card within within the first 10 minutes. And then uh, I was surprised that St. Maximan didn't try and attack him even more and just try and get him to get that second yellow card. Um, and then Dallo was hooked at halftime for uh, Juan Bissaka, which proved to be a, a good decision from Eric Sanhag. But, I mean, yeah, like Newcastle since the World Cup haven't been like the top four contender that we all kind of thought they would be. I guess myself excluded um, going into the world cup. Um, but I mean, I, they post this question on the guardian as well on the podcast that they put out on Monday that they were saying, like, if, if they don't end up getting like into Europa league or champions league, do you think Eddie Howe is given the sack and they bring somebody else with a little more experience in? I mean, I maybe I still think they'll finish at least top six. But, um, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, and also, I think yeah. I, I think it'd be a bit unfair on Eddie Howe to give him the sack because he's, he's done wonders. I mean, this time last year they were in the relegation zone and obviously they've been backed financially, but still like coaching wise, there's been a pretty big turnaround. And he was the one who helped oversee that spending. And like, so it's his team. So, yeah. well, I don't I don't see them finishing outside of the top six. I, I think it'd be a bit harsh on them. Yeah, I mean, like it's it. 
it, it's not like outside the realm of possibility though. When you look like, I don't think Fulham will finish in the top six either, but I mean, I mean, yeah, Liverpool's I running the Liverpool. league. Like, he, I mean, Chelsea, I don't think will come anywhere close to the top six. And now that, that I, sad. now that Nick isn't on the show, I can say that yeah, without fearing for my life. Um, that's I mean, Liverpool I could make. go on a run. Yeah. Okay. Sure. T- take, take it over. Mikey, <laughs> now. No, I, I was, I mean, I was going to point out that, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the rest of kind of the top top six or the traditional, I guess you could say big six, um, it's not going to be like, I don't know if firing, getting rid of Eddie Howe just because you think you can get someone better is really a good policy when, as we've talked about on the last couple episodes of the show, is that, like, you know, I don't think anyone really believes that Graham Potter will be around for much longer Chelsea. And then there's also talk that, I mean, Klopp's contract is up after next season. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a, a totally different discussion that we had two weeks ago. But I'm just saying, it's like, if you're Newcastle, he's done, he's done a lot, and he doesn't even have everyone he wants yet, you know, Eddie Howe. And to Kale's, Kale's point, he certainly worked wonders, but if you're Newcastle, it's like, you know, if it's, um, the fa- I mean, the fans, the fans are happy. Uh, the team is performing, you know, it's their first, first cup final, and God knows how long. Um, I mean, just to, just to make that point, I mean, you know, there's not, I don't know who else, I mean, who, I'm sure there are managers you could get, but you don't necessarily want to enter that race when, you know, I mean, because seriously, when you think about it, whoever, whoever is the Chelsea, whoever is the full-time Chelsea replacement will, I mean, be the highest paid manager probably in the world, the way that they've kind of been acting so far this year. Uh, Caleb, what were, uh, were you? Well, <clears throat> I wanted to touch a bit more on the, um, on the cup final. While I wasn't able to watch the game because I think I arrived home about three hours before kickoff, I um, <laughs> I do and and well to be fair, I mean it wasn't looking at United's run-in to get to the final. I think they played one other Premier League team, and that was Southampton, who are basically a Championship team. So yeah, like you could say that like it wasn't the most impressive run, but to be fair, Ten Hag, it was his first chance to win a trophy, and he did. So like, what else are you supposed to do, you know? So I, uh, I, you know, fair enough. But what I, it got me thinking about the League Cup because it is a bit random. Um, over the years, it's now called the Carabao Cup, but over the years, there's been a variety of different names for it. So with a quick Google search, I was able to pull up uh, the names since 1960 for what this was referred to. So Lovely. a few of my favorites. So a few of my favorites. Um, between 1960 and 1980, there was no main sponsor, just called the Football League Cup. Between 82 to 86, it was called the Milk Cup, sponsored by the Milk <laughs> Marketing Board. <laughs> and then bring that back. Come big on, milk, big milk. The Milk big Cup. Milk. We want milk. 86 to 90, it was sponsored by Little Woods, so it was called the Little Woods Challenge Cup, which. Yeah. Little you throw a challenge yeah. in front of any any tournament <laughs> milk name. we have little wood we have challenge <laughs> little uh, and then so from 91 to 92 it was called the rumble lows cup sponsored by a company <laughs> called rumble lows whatever the hell that is that lasted one year so they probably folded not surprisingly <laughs> then <laughs> 90, 93 to 98 was the coca-cola cup from 99 to 2003 was the Worthington Cup, sponsored by Worthingtons. I don't know. From 2004, 2004 to 2012, it was the Molson Coors Cup. Well, no, wait. It was sponsored by Molson Coors, 
so it was Course referred what? to as the Carling Cup, which oh. I actually kind of remember. I pref- I, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember, too, I remember yeah. the Carling Cup. And then thirteen to the sixteen Warlington was the, sure. the Capital One Cup. And then for one year in 2016, it was just called the EFL Cup. And now, since 2017 till now, it's the Carabao Cup. So with that in mind, gentlemen, what is your favorite name of this League Cup since 1960? The, the milk one, whatever. The Milkman's Cup. <laughs> yeah, is that I was going to say the milk. Yeah, the milk, cup. The, milk <laughs> the milk Cup, sponsored by oh, the Milk Marketing Board. That's phenomenal. Oh, that's <laughs> Why that's did they ever change that? Yeah. It was like before want... <laughs> the Got Milk advertisements. It was just the milk. We were like, oh, let's sponsor a, a fourth-tier English <laughs> soccer competition. Yeah, well, we, uh, we okay, get our last, milk back. Yeah. All right, well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the meeting, everyone. Thanks for being here. So we talked to the FA; they won't let us have the FA, but they did say there's a league cup that we could get. So it's milk now cup. the milk yeah. cup. Oh, yeah. So God. congratulations to Eric Ted and Hobbs for lifting the milk cup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I've noticed, <laughs> yeah. the many milk big, cups. big dairy guy, big dairy guy. <laughs> You know, it's, I was realizing throughout that was that most of them have been beverage themed, which I think is really great. I but cup. We, yeah, cup. No, I know. But yeah, it's, it's in the name. I understand. But like <laughs> the milk cup, Carabao is some kind of like energy drink. But right. The thing, that I don't yeah. really, the thing I don't really understand is like that, you know, then for when it was, you know, car, Carling, I suppose that's fun. Um, I don't know. Like Carabao, really? You know, I think the Little Woods. Little, yeah, that, that was one I think. Understand <laughs> for Worthington, is that some kind of yeah Worthington? Well, okay, Littlewoods is a English <laughs> shopping. It's a uh, it's a department store. Um, there you go. Official Littlewoods site. Not gonna answer that. There was, <laughs> Whoa, there was a coat. There was a coat cut too. <laughs> Lord. All Whoa. right, I think enough of that. Should we move? Should we move on? This is so move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we've lost yeah. sight of why we're here. All right, well, let's move to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Then uh, Spurs two, Chelsea nil. Uh, pressure fully on Grant Potter now. I mean, I'm sure the two of you can can think of how I'm feeling. I guess now the FA Cup kind of ruined it, but up until uh, two p.m. Um, yeah, I was on cloud nine after beating Chelsea for the first time in so long in the league. But did either of you catch this game? I know it was it was an early kickoff on Sunday morning. I uh, I didn't. I, I did not. Did, I uh, saw I saw Oliver Skip's goal and it was a crack. That was yeah, some so goal. I got a. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it. So how, how old is is he? Like a academy product, or is he just never? Yeah, he, he he's an academy product. He's twenty two. Okay. He's nice. also like a CDM though, so like, oh, not yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not, not exactly like a, popping up and scoring. Not a goal scorer. Yeah, that's yeah. Much, yeah, that's fair. Um, that's that's good. No, I saw I saw a bit of it. It's stuff probably the last thirty minutes, and then the goal zone replays before the uh, before the milk cup uh, final got started. Uh, no, I th- I know it's it's one of those things where <clears throat> the the like I don't know the quote from Tuesday that Potter is the backing of like one member of Chelsea's ownership, which is funny because I like read that quote and I'm like, well, if it's bully, then it's like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Nothing about. to worry <laughs> like, about. Yeah, that's, that's, all that that's probably who it is. Yeah. That was, the, I think that's everyone's first thought. Like, yeah. Uh, I guess that yeah. makes sense. I mean, they're not all yeah. like, they don't just own it equal. It's not equally divided yeah. amongst like eight people. Yeah. 
that makes sense. <laughs> I just, I mean, that was that was like my first thought. It's like, so I mean, he's not going anywhere. If that's the case. <laughs> but Fair I mean, enough. they I have the what the European match against Dortmund this week or weekend. Uh, ne- yeah, next next, next weekend, Tuesday, yeah. next Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, if they lose that, I don't, I can't remember who they played this weekend, but. Um, if Chelsea lose to Dortmund, I would imagine Potter is gone. I mean, they've got to be thinking that they need to qualify in some way for Europe next year. And I don't think they want to be going into the Conference League after spending $600 million since like July. Well, they're, they're going to automatically qualify for the Champions League. You didn't know that? No, I wasn't aware. No, the bolt, the top bully thing where he was in a meet. Do you guys didn't see this, really? He basically yeah, he, was in a he meeting. He was in a meeting. He just assumed because they were like a big enough club that like they were just going to be at the Champions League every year because this like one of the accountants was explaining to him like well like you know we won't be we won't be in the Champions League next year which is like huge revenue loss and then he said that and everyone just kind of looked at him and was like what and they like pull, it, like this is like really happened he pulls out his phone leaves the meeting for like five minutes and they like are just like okay whatever and like keep going he comes back and was like oh sorry guys that's on me I guess we won't be the Champions League next season <laughs> Oh my god! He just assumed, which is great. That's he, he just didn't do his homework before buying yeah. a multi-million yeah. dollar. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I mean, like the funny thing is too, it's like it's not like they, it's not like it's been that long since they weren't in the Champions League. Like they, Ooh. like 2018-19, they were in the Europa League. That was only. I mean, they haven't even been good. Ago. They haven't even been this good for that long. Like, I mean, the Abramovich bought them probably around, like, what, maybe 2000, maybe? It was, like, 2001, I think. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. Like, they haven't even – so, I mean, he's been alive. For most of the time, Top Bowl has been alive. They have not been this good, which is what's even better. He well, clearly sure he wasn't, wasn't very invested well, in yeah, Of course, yeah. Just, yeah. I just threw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – Exactly. <laughs> Those famous I mean, champions, do you think, like, matches of the 1980s, yeah. Do you think Bowley regrets letting Tuchel go? Or do you think he's kind of like, we just need to turn a page? I mean, like, he's won 35% of Chelsea's points. And he was sacked at the beginning of September. Like, that's that's absurd. Yeah. I I wonder if he maybe made that decision a bit rashly, thinking that, like, it was to turn a page, kind of start off the Todd Bowley regime with a new manager. But, uh, I mean, clearly he doesn't really know what he's talking about football wise based on the whole champions league thing or, i mean or, like or three yeah i just like uh, i don't know like grand potter if you look at last year his grand potter's team was right in the same position as chelsea like i don't know if grand potter is just suited for that high of a level you know like everyone was like always oh, excellent manager he overachieved at brighton but he's still sitting in eighth which is yeah. funny because he left and Brighton or now well yeah Deserby yeah. <laughs> the new manager is solid but I, well, I, it, it, it is linked to the Chelsea job now right there's <laughs> love Brighton yeah. just fantastic first place Bowley ever went in uh, England just thought you know they're really nice people <laughs> yeah I mean to give Potter the benefit of the doubt which I have heard this side is like he wasn't there for preseason it wasn't particularly it's not his like fully his group of players that he's picked but also when you spend 600 million and he was around for that it just it doesn't really help I don't know I don't care I I hope he stays because I am just 
enjoying this Chelsea downfall. Absolutely drinking it in on the daily. But uh, it is nice. It's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. But it's like, who, what, what do you think just firing stuff? Like, who would they even bring in right now? And would they do that much better? Because it's like goes beyond the, the manager, clearly. There's I mean, like why, would, why would anyone want to They have 31 players. There's 31 senior players. I, yeah, in, that's on exactly. Chelsea's like it's just it's a circus. Why and, would anyone like you have a you have an owner who's you know super involved who doesn't know any he doesn't know, he has no clue what he's talking about. You have yeah 31 players and also it seems like Potter isn't the guy who's necessarily making these decisions. Like it does. I mean, there's no way that like unless like Grand Potter like secretly has like a transfer addiction. Uh, like he like always wanted to spend this kind of money, just didn't have it. Like there's no way that. He is this guy who's being like, yeah, we're going to, hey, let's bring in, what, however, however many players. This is January. Like, people are, I mean, the rest of, you know, any any European manager who wants to move up in the world or is just, like, out of a job right now is looking at Chelsea and being like, why would, why would, I, why would I even apply? Like, if they call, I'm just going to tell my agent no. Because there's, there's no point. There's really no point. Like, if the, I mean, there's not another, there's not another owner like this in the league. Um, it's basically like they've created such a dumpster fire that it's a, you know, it's a, basically it's like, no, like no one, no one really thinks, okay, like, yeah, this is a solvable problem. You want someone else to take over, fail. And then eventually Foley's like, Hey, maybe I need to let the people who know soccer actually, you know, do their job. You're muted. Can't hear you. Anyway, way to go, uh, our host, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I can continue. Yeah, talking. Okay. No, we still can't, can't hear, hear you. you. No, this please God, no. Good. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, Caleb, Mike, I, to be fair yeah. though, to be fair, I think the Chelsea job—it's still like a big club. So, like, mm. although it is a burning dumpster dumpster fire at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is probably, I think some people would feel the incentive of us to, you know, kind of be the guy that turns it around. That's like, there's that's, an opportunity there, fair. but that's still not an easy one though. It's not, a, it's not. A, yeah. It isn't. Can you guys that, hear me now? You know, now we can. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank I'm not you sure what happened us. there. I think, I think my mic. Well, uh, yeah. Not sure. Yeah. I'm not I'm sure. Either. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, uh, to, to Caleb's point real quick. I would I would agree, and I also think this is a, kind of exactly what happened with the Ten Hag situation. That almost there had been all this like this these string of really unsuccessful managers, um, and this a uh, uh, a fan a fan base and not as much ownership, but a fan base with huge expectations and a lot of egos in the dressing room. Um, and yeah, I think it's a challenge. And I think there's certainly people who say, yeah, this is a big club. And honestly, I mean, there's there's plenty of managers in the Premier League who would probably be stupid to turn down the offer to be like, yes, I want to manage Chelsea. Um, but I, I just, it's one of those things where for the kind of manager that I think they would probably like need is what I would say, like someone of someone of the pedigree that they can take this and turn it around and sort out whatever's going on in that dressing room and deal with this insane American who thinks 12 players are on the field for one team. Um, I would just say that like you're, I don't know, like the like whoever whoever the most famous most uh, most famous but unemployed 
football manager in the world is right now. Like they probably just don't want this job. So you're going to end up with someone. Your guy just seriously think you're going to end up with someone like Grand Potter, guy who's punching way above his weight. Uh, Patrick, what do you think? I I'll be I'll be quick. Um, I was just going to go back to Caleb's point about ten minutes ago when he said Grand Potter didn't have a preseason. Um, I would I would say that when Tuchel took over from an objectively worse manager in Frank Lampard um, in nineteen to, or twenty twenty one. Uh, he also didn't have a preseason, and I also don't think he had the the winter window. And then six months later, they won the Champions League, right? Um, or the spending power. Yeah, so I think I just don't think Grand Potter's that good of a manager. And like when you look at Brighton, like his big issue there was that they couldn't score goals, and then he leaves. They immediately start scoring goals, and now Chelsea can't score to save their lives. So, right? I don't know. I mean. I would be surprised if Potter lasted till the end of the season. Maybe they give it to some assistant uh, just to kind of see their way through the remainder of the campaign. But I don't know if they'll last till the end of the month. (laughs) But at the same time, like I also think they'd be stupid to fire him because there's nobody else that they can realistically go and get right now. Because like I get, I read that they offered the job to Pochettino and he said he just like flat out said no. That that Uh, was my point. Yeah, like a man, like a manager who's unemployed but is like clear who's proven themselves and has been successful is going to say no yeah and i mean so you have to you have to take the approach of i mean seriously you kind of have to do the and you know it's not gonna be good but chelsea season's already lost you have to take the approach of we'll get someone until we can find someone better and until the season's over and everyone can forget about it yeah all right well let's move on to arsenal then so caleb i'll just throw both games to you right now so one nil to one nil against Leicester over the weekend and then four nil against everton today um, so as you say, they're five points clear at the top. They've got Bournemouth this weekend. Uh, how are the vibes feeling in the Arsenal camp? What have your sources said? Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, vibes are vibes are right. Vibes are where they should be. Um, there was a bit of a, maybe a month or so ago, I think today during the Everton broadcast, they said 25 days ago, Arsenal lost at Goodison Park, which was part of that kind of blip in form there's a couple of draws and then the loft ever day highlight of every basically so since then they've bounced back by winning um they beat villa away and they beat leicester away both games were not the prettiest performances but they're results that you know you need to you need to win if you want to be in the serious title conversations and arsenal did that um the match today, pretty straightforward. I mean, Everton are poor. I think they started the first 30 minutes off well, didn't really give Arsenal much. But then it was a bit of, you know, a great move through Saka for the first goal. And then Idrissa Ganagay totally switched off for the second and it was 2-0 at half. And that was pretty much it. So, you know, I think Arsenal keep uh, keep plugging away. I think that Trossard purchase over January is looking to be a pretty shrewd bit of business by Adu, as well as Jorginho. Both have both players have played a role since coming into the team and have really given Arsenal some of that much-needed depth because that was something that I and many Arsenal fans are worried about. So there's 13 games left to play. Still have to play City away. Still have to play Liverpool away and a few other tricky games in there. By no means it's over, but the five point buffer, you know, always always feels nice. So I can't complain for now. 
And uh, yeah, we look forward to Bournemouth at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I don't think this Arsenal team will have much trouble uh, against Liverpool. I guess it all depends on Liverpool's form going into the game. But, I mean, they've been just brushing teams aside with the exception of City a couple of weeks ago and, I guess, Everton. But, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't think City can drop drop points again for the remainder of the campaign if they – I mean, five points isn't a lot – but at the same time, yeah. like the way that Arsenal are collecting points, like, like there's nothing to it. Uh, Mike, you right. you so kindly have your hand raised. I'll, yeah, I will also point out to the. I mean, the city thing really made me think of it. Um, United have Liverpool this weekend, and you know everyone is my you know in a United sport and a fan of Liverpool fans. You know, no one else is talking about it. But part of me is a bit nervous because. For so long, I think we just have always it's a, it's that you know team we just for some reason always struggle to beat, not necessarily because they're better than us, just for whatever reason. Uh, although they have been better us better than us for a very long time. My point though is that if you're talking, I mean, if City can't afford to lose points, then um, I mean, really, United cannot afford to lose another game for the rest of the season and needs a complete and total collapse from both uh, from both from both City and Arsenal which I just think is increasingly unlikely as it's already March 1st and that Arsenal look like they've kind of started to write the ship. Um, and that's, that's the other thing too, that, uh, I mean, like they want, they want today uh, to, uh, and, you know, beaten, beaten West Ham uh, was not, was not looking great for most of it. Um, and I mean, they pulled it out, but if you look at the quarters for the rest of the FA Cup, it's, you know, it looks like it'll probably just be what United and City there. So I think that's kind of the most realistic thing. You know, you can get, get the League Cup, get the FA Cup, and kind of, uh, I guess, kind of hope. Milk Cup. I mean, go from there. Yeah, the milk, yeah, excuse me, the Milk Cup and the FA Cup. Uh, the FA Cup is, of course, sacred. It can't be called anything other than the FA Cup, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, All right, well, milk speaking of. a little more, uh, a little more, you know. Yeah, well, speaking of the <laughs> FA Cup, should we, <laughs> should we move on to the, the two games of note today? So. Uh, Spurs yeah, were, away, were away to Sheffield United, and that's really all you need to know. Um, at Bromo Lane. Yeah, at Bromo Lane, United sco- uh, Sheffield United scoring in 79th minute. Uh, and it was the only goal of the game. Spurs for the fourth year running are sent packing in the fifth round. Um, just to give you an idea of the esteemed competition that Spurs have faced, in the fifth round of the FA Cup over the last four years. Oh, so uh, four years ago, uh, knocked out of the FA Cup fifth round by Norwich City, who were then relegated uh, that very same yep. season. Uh, the following campaign, uh, uh, shit, I can't remember it right now. Last year it was Middlesbrough, and then today it was Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United. So that's really fun. And then the year before in eighteen nineteen, I think it was the quarterfinals where we lost to Crystal Palace. So it's uh, the FA Cup and the and the Milk Cup are the are the two tournaments each year that Spurs should. I I don't understand why the when you get to the fifth round of the FA Cup, you need to start overlooking squad rotation. Like when you don't really know how your season's going to go, like you need to just set your sights on one tournament and just. Because realistically, they're not going to make a run in the Champions League like they did five years ago. They're not, I mean, they were knocked out of the like the third round 
of the of the milk cup to Nottingham Forest. And I mean, it's anybody's guess if they finish in the top four, which I think looks increasingly unlikely. Um, but it's it's just such a joke. They're just the last seven times they've been knocked out of the FA Cup. Two of Dyer Davies and Davidson Sanchez have been starting at the back, which if you're Daniel Levy yeah, or anybody in, in the boardroom, I don't know how like the like the main issue this team has isn't glaringly obvious. And it doesn't all come down to like their inability to spend money in each window because over the summer they spent upwards, I think it was like 120 million or something. And it was just all on areas of the game or areas of the field that we just didn't really need cover in besides making Romero permanent, which doesn't, I would argue, doesn't even really count. And then Perisic at left wing back, but he was a free and he is well past his, his best. Um, And then you finally bring in Pedro Porro on the right after it took a month in January and then Emerson Royale actually starts playing like starts playing like, well. Yeah. And then now every time Poro plays, it's like, well, he doesn't even really look that good yet. And like, I, I don't understand how you can come out of a January window and have like, have like not a new addition to the back line. Like that should have been one of the only targets in January was just someone to provide some sort of competition to Dyer and Davies that isn't named Davidson Sanchez or Clement Longley, who just needs to go back to Barcelona. Um, What's Vermalen up to these days or Vertonghen? It's Alderweireld, I think you're thinking of. Yeah, um, Alder That's, that's what I was saying earlier. The, the thing that makes me even like even more angry is that the two of them walk into this back line with, without any question. Like they're, they're both, both like 40. Yeah, they're like yeah, they'd be, each of they'd them be using walkers. Yeah, yeah, balls, so. yeah, yeah. They, they would actually be walking in, literally walking. Yeah, but like they're thir- they're thirty six, thirty seven each, and they're they're better than Eric Dyer and Ben Davies and Davis and Sanchez. So it's like, why didn't you at least like Alderweireld probably could have stayed for an additional year. He was just like his he left on a free, and so did. Vertonghen, like Vertonghen, I understood it because he looked like he looked like his age was catching up to him in his last couple of years at Spurs. But like, it's, I don't understand what the recruitment team is doing. Like, how do you not have, like, if there's only a set price range that you're looking at, then just explore all your options in that price range. One of them has to objectively be better than Ben Davies, a converted left back into center back. Like he has good, he has good games every once in a while, but like if you have aspirations of like winning trophies, you can't have people in your back line who every once in a while will give you a seven out of 10 performance. Like Christian Romero gets carded all the time, but he's the only player in that back line that looks like he like actually cares about defending. It, it, I just, I, I, I figured we would lose today. And so like, it wasn't that much of a shock because it just was written in the stars that they would collapse. Once I saw that Sanchez was starting same and Dyer and Davies. Um, but yeah. And, and son has, his son is fucking horrible. He's, he's just so bad. Like he, he Does should anyone, not is start there any again. Kind of speculation or like story as to what is going on with him. With son. I have no idea. 
like genuinely we no talked idea. i think recently it was like an injury like it's it, i don't know if it's a met like i just don't get it oh remember in the last uh remember remember the whole sancho thing where it was there was all this stuff kind of going on behind this and no one really knew and that he's good like that is he's back now like i'm just curious i just like feel like it has to be something like that because it's just no way that a guy like is it's, at this point it's not poor form yeah i mean, I mean form, how do you like, go there has to be from... something else going on like he scored like 30 goals in all comps last year. I don't know how you go from that to you've got five or six in all comps in March. Like, I mean, that doesn't help either. But then you bring in uh, Dan Juma from Villa, uh, Villarreal on a loan that can turn into a permanent transfer. And you're not even giving him the opportunity to like show his worth. Like if you're going to just completely scrub the team, like don't start Sun. Like, just keep him in London. Like, he didn't even have to travel today. And Richarlison, good, good Lord. <laughs> like, million dollar man. <laughs> like, $50 million man. Like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, against Chelsea, I thought he actually had a really good game. Um, obviously didn't score, but I thought he did a lot off the ball that kind of helped create both of the goals. But, I mean, you can't spend $73 million on a – on a forward and then play him in the wrong position and then like be upset when he's not scoring goals. Like he doesn't play on the wing. Like he, he is, he will be Harry Kane's replacement whenever he decides to leave, which I mean, if we keep this up, we'll be in the summer for sure. I mean, I'm still holding out hope that he's going to sign a new contract, but I think a lot of that depends on the future of, uh, of Conte and at this rate, honestly, I feel like I'd rather just have a new manager going into next season. Because, like, I don't think he's going to – his contract's up at the end of the year. I don't think he's going to renew. I mean, I feel like he'd be kind of foolish, too. I mean, he clearly wants to go back to Italy because his family still live in Italy. So he's just living – he's been living in a hotel room for, like, two years. So like That'll drive really, anyone crazy. Yeah, like, of course his gallbladder for, uh, almost exploded. Holiday like, Express. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they like fit. a Ramada. Do you think they're in a, do they got like a Ramada or they splurge for the Marriott for their? Yeah, their maybe, he's staying, maybe he's staying in Hotspur away at the training ground. He yeah. just never leaves work. Um, but I don't yeah, know. But then it's like the same. Better than Plaza, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's like the same situation as Chelsea, though. Like, if you get rid of, if he leaves over the summer, like, who do you bring in? Do you spend another two months of the summer and then settle on a guy like Nuno again, and then he just and he just fails? within six weeks i don't know whatever that's that's all i want to talk about for spurs today so mikey i'll give it to you uh united come from behind uh 3-1 winners over west ham at home uh i know you're in hysterics at the moment but if you could give us your your rundown on their performance yeah absolutely uh yeah i mean it's uh it's a lot of things where i mean management is is actually i feel like very much there in game with Ten Hag. Um, it's funny because you're talking earlier, Harmon, about how, uh, like, you know, you just need to, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, uh, this chat's very distracting. Uh, I have to look in my closet. Um, I, I don't know. I would just say the thing with United this season is that the depth is, you know, I always talked about like, it's not there and there's a lot of work to be done in the summer. Uh, and then in ga- games like this, they proved me wrong. Uh, I, I kind of don't know what's wrong with, uh, with course. Um, I mean, because it's funny because it's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, he plays so well and like he creates all this space. And, like Ten Hag saying this, like he's starting. He's always he's playing all the time. And on the broadcast, they're introducing the, uh, 
when they were introducing the lineup, they said, like, oh, you know, they they like the you know ESPN Plus guy literally said, oh, despite having only two goals and however many appearances, and one of which I think I don't think either of them has been in the or maybe just one of the Premier League. Like, he keeps starting. Ten Hag seems to like him, and yeah, he creates space. But you know, I mean, it's like if you're a striker, your job is kind of to score goals, and you're kind of he's kind of been getting out of it because of the form Rashford's been in. Um, but I mean, it's at a certain point there has to be a bit of a wreck in there. Uh, Garnacho looked great today; scored a scored a great goal. Casemiro um, uh, good as always. I, I will just say though, is like they're getting into the part of the season here where I think the I do think things are going to start to get a bit tight in terms of fitness and stamina uh, because I mean, like if you look at it, they played uh, like like just let's just like like last two weeks Thursday they had uh, Thursday they had Barcelona. Uh, Sunday, Newcastle, the Carabao Cup, or excuse me, the Milk Cup final, um, and then uh, and then today West Ham, uh, and then I, and then next Sunday, Sunday to, they've got Liverpool, and you know there's three or four different competitions, and there uh, yeah four different competitions in there between the Europa League, the Milk Cup, the FA Cup, and you know the league where they actually play, um, and. Uh, think that you know i mean you only have to worry about three from here on out but it, it is going to start to get tested especially when you think about how casemiro is so important to this team and them playing well and as a unit and their success that if you're missing him you're kind of i mean like united just kind of fold um so i think that we'll see i think the uh you know i was, I was happy with the game today um they scored about you know and we're down for most of the match we're able to come back tied up and then uh, tied up, go ahead, and then get one more in injury time. Um, but overall, I thought uh, that's a good result from here on out. I don't think it'll be as easy. They did; they were lucky to not draw City at the next round, but I'd say that will probably be the semifinal or the uh, final. But yeah, I'll kick it over to our uh, to our correspondent in uh, Mexico. Yeah. Well, so before we get to Caleb uh, over in Guadalajara, we'll go. Excuse uh, me. Sorry. Yeah. Quick rundown of the quarterfinals in the FA Cup. So we've got uh, Blackburn Rovers versus Sheffield. Uh, Caleb, who do you think will win in that game? Just quick fire. Blackburn Rovers. All right. United versus Fulham. Fulham. Uh, City versus Burnley. City. I think Burnley might actually win that game. I don't know. We'll see. And then the story of the of the fifth round that we kind of forgot to talk about, Grimsby Town of the second tier beating oh. Southampton at Southampton today. Uh, so they'll face off against uh, Premier League powerhouse Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, Caleb, come on, Grimsby, one? just for the mag- yeah, just for the magic of a cup, you know. Yeah, come on now. All right. Well, then let's move to let's move down to Guadalajara. Then so our our Liga MX correspondent is here with us today, as mentioned. Uh, so, Caleb, if you give us a quick rundown of what's been going on in the league, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, well, look, um, you know, down south of Boulder, there's a vibrant footballing league happening week in and week out. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to a few matches, like the one on Saturday over at the Estadio Jalisco, a, a uh, 9-15 kickoff, so a late one. Plenty of time for some pints before. And you could tell in the crowd that the uh, the Chelas, the Cervezas were flowing. Um, but it was a, quite a game between Atlas and Club America. Uh, Atlas, the home team, went down 2-0. Uh, but 
two goals from a uh, footballer named Brian Lozano uh, brought Atlas back to rescue a point. And I have to say, both goals were by Lozano were insane. The first one, right before half, was like a 30-yard free kick that he just like knuckleballed into the top corner. And then the second one was probably from another 30 yards, like off the left, and he just bent it into the top bend. And the, the crowd went wild. Um, so, you know, currently top of the league in Mexico is Monterrey. Um, Atlas, my team, is sitting mid-table, three points off the playoffs. But, you know, it's a long season. So there'll be plenty of drama down here in, in Mexico. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for more. But that is, uh, that is my Mexican report. Back to you in the studio. Yeah, of course. Uh, so do they so do they do like a tiered playoff structure, kind of like the championship, or is it like just top uh, of the table wins the league? No, it's like um, yeah, the top ten get to go playoffs, and it's like not like the championship because the top two aren't in. It's like a playoff between the top ten and okay. the bottom ten. Each so they suspended it over COVID. They got rid of. Um, promotion relegation in Mexico for like financial reasons. So like right now there's a hold. I think like in 2025 they're going to start doing it. But now there's a financial penalty for depending on where you finish. So if you finish last, you have to pay like X amount and it just gets smaller and smaller like for the bottom 10. So good old fashioned Mexican corruption. That's fantastic. Yeah, no. Do you know how much? How much was it like the last time they? Or so is is this financial penalty a new thing, or is that? um, Yeah, I think it came it came to pass since uh, the relegation got put on pause. So, so like theoretically, if you finished like eleventh, you could still get relegated. Uh, like if you lost like the consolation playoff, basically. Yeah, there's like a consolation playoff. Yeah, there was. Um. That's insane. So yeah, it's an interesting system. But yeah, no, now it's just you just have to pay the authorities <laughs> they are. <laughs> so yeah, the money gets distributed around, I think. But um yeah. So it's quite the uh quite the system. All right, well, fair enough. So who do you think uh who do you think is gonna win the playoff? I think it will be um Well, that's a good question. Probably right now, top of your Monterey, Toluca, and Tigres. I'm going to say Tigres because they have the French guy, Jean-Pierre Guignac. So uh, remember that guy? He like played I for do France remember that. Legend. Yeah, he you, wound, yeah. wound up in Mexico. And I think with him leading the charge, uh, Tigres he... are going to win the league. Didn't he switch uh, like nationalities? So now can't he represent Mexico? No, his uh, maybe that was a fever dream I had. His children are eligible to get Mexican citizenship or something. Or maybe he oh, is now I too, see. but I don't think. Patrick, Patrick are you talking about the eligibility of? Uh, of, of <laughs> I am, yeah. Uh, yeah John Pierre Gignac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's eligible for Mexican citizenship, but not to actually play for like the their national team because he's already played for France. But I think he's oh, yeah. allowed he's to be a Mexican caps, citizen. Yeah. So for him. Oh fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. 
Okay, well, let's finish up there today then. So, uh, Caleb, thank you for Goodbye. thank you for coming on. Goodbye, <laughs> Mikey. Yeah, thanks as always. You're welcome. Uh, you're very, very, very welcome. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with uh, more Champions League.